This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Bamboo Pastors Podcast. It's always fun to talk with you, John, and always good to see you. How are you doing? Hey, Jalen. Uh, it's good to see you, too. Uh, to see you digitally actually right now after uh, having just seen you in person um, last weekend. So it's been pretty good, you know, since getting back from this trip uh, to Chicago, I've been a little bit busy just catching up on work and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good week. I think even better though was that break week that I had, I guess it wasn't the full week, but a weekend um, back in Chicago, hanging out with you, hanging out with friends and family. Uh, it was just very life-giving and refreshing. So what about you? How have you been? Yeah, it was good to see you and good to have some ramen and hang out, do some trick-or-treating stuff, trunk-or-treating stuff. And it's always fun to hang out with you in person. So I'm glad we got to do that. Um, I told you earlier that we had seven parent-teacher conferences today. So, you know, our oldest is in middle school now. And so he's got different teachers for different subjects, which is Mm -hmm. new for us and new for him. And so we met with all of his teachers, which I think as we look back on it now, we probably don't need to do that in the future. We can just kind of ask if there's anything seriously going wrong with him, you know, or with school and then just kind of go from there. So I think we've kind of learned from this first one, but it's, it was exhausting today, kind of going through all those, different, you know, it was all on Zoom, which was super helpful, but you know, that, that just kind of increases all the, the Zoom fatigue and all that. But it was good to hear just how Jackson has been doing and the things that he's been learning. And uh, really, you know, I think what's what's exciting for us being at a Christian school is that, you know, every parent-teacher conference started with the teacher praying for our family and praying for Jackson. And that's something that is so special and important to us, right? And, you know, that obviously we know that not every family is called to Christian education we're going to a Christian school, but for us, it's just been an incredible blessing. And so we're really thankful for that and thankful for, you know, the teachers that uh, the Jackson has. So it's, it was a good day. Nice. I, you know, earlier when you were telling me that you had seven parent teacher conferences today, I was, I was a little confused because you only have five children. So I was trying to figure out who were the extra kids that you attended their <laughs> parent conferences for, but it makes sense that most of them are for, are for your middle schooler. Right. So yeah, that definitely sounds pretty exhausting. Yes, we do actually have three more tomorrow. So Oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, actually earlier when you were talking about um, grabbing ramen together, I, I think we should definitely mention on the podcast that one of the exciting and fun things that we did as a part of that was that uh, I was able to surprise um, the person that you were eating with. Uh, it was Pearson Lau, who's been a multiple time guest on our podcast. And so uh, just I wish I, I wish we had a picture or a video of just the look of confusion on Pearson's face when I walked into lunch that day. Um, but yeah, it was good to just hang out with both of you and catch up in person and have a meal together. 
Yeah, that's right. Because you didn't tell him beforehand that you were coming to town. So it was it was, it was fun for ha- to have you kind of crash our lunch. And uh, it was it was definitely cool to have that happen. Yep. All right. Well, uh, for the podcast today, we actually have something a little bit different than usual. Normally, we have uh, a guest come on our podcast and we interview them, talk with them, ask them questions about their ministry. Um, but for our for our episode today, we actually had the reverse situation happen. Um, recently, you know, Jalen, you and I were invited to go on a podcast, uh, or not a podcast, but to do a Facebook Live conversation um, with Envision. Now, uh, you weren't able to make it that day, and so it's just me having this conversation with this organization called Envision. But Envision is actually the leadership development arm of uh, my denomination. So the church that I serve at, I'm licensed and ordained in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And so a part of our national ministry is this organization called Envision. And what they do is that they seek to identify and develop missional leaders um, around the country and around the world to uh, launch them into serving, uh, especially in urban environments. And so Envision has sites all over um, the United States, all over the world. And we were connecting with one of the Envision leaders. His name is um, Zach Meerkrebs. And so the the episode or the rest of this episode is actually the conversation that Zach and I had together about um, the, the church that I serve at, uh, and, and especially I think focused on multicultural ministries and um, how that has you know been a part of my story and about the work that God is doing in San Jose. Um, and so, yeah, uh, for all you listeners to the podcast, we're really glad that you're on with us. We're just giving you a peek into um, some of the things that we've had opportunity to do uh, because of this podcast. And so we hope that you enjoy this episode. We can get started. I would love to just pray and then kind of give people a continued opportunity just to get to know your story. Um, and then, you know, we have questions about your podcast. I listened to a couple of those today as <laughs> I was preparing for today. Awesome. So uh, that was awesome. And then so we're talking a little bit about the podcast, a little bit about what does it look like to serve in a, a multi-ethnic community. Mm-hmm. And then I added a question. Hopefully uh, we can be uh, uh, flat to see their pants. A little bit about leadership development as Envision is uh, continuing trying to like remind ourselves and the Alliance that we're not just a short-term trip mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Um, but really are here to create some spaces for people to be developed as leaders. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if you're in ministry for more than a little bit, you've been emerging leaders or have seen yourself emerge and some uniqueness there. So let me pray and then we'll get started. Yep. And um, awesome. So Jesus, thank you so much for your friendship and um, the ability to to participate in your mission. And um, we thank you that you transcend geographies and history and story. Um, As John and I are just getting to know each other publicly on Facebook Live, Jesus, you transcend that. And uh, because of your blood, we're brothers. Because of your blood, uh, we're co-heirs with you and a part of the same family. And we thank you that we can spend a little bit of time just making much of you and what you're doing in our midst. And in our hearts. So be with us during this time. And uh, we say to your name. Amen. 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 So John, I know I kind of just did those recapping kind of questions, but can you do a flyby of 
where you serve and a little bit about your church and mm -hmm. um, all that. Yeah, so I am the worship pastor at San Jose Christian Alliance Church. It is uh, right in the heart of San Jose. Um, and I'm relatively new in this role. Uh, I think I would probably be the newest member of the staff or one of the newest members of the staff. Um, and so I moved from the Midwest, from the Chicagoland area to San Jose about a year and a half ago. Um, landed during the pandemic and just kind of hit the ground running, so to speak. Um, even though we weren't really having live church uh, services at the time. So in my role um, I'm, as the worship pastor, I uh, oversee, I think with a lot of detail, um, the English, our English congregation um, worship ministry. And then I have, um, you know, connections and, and a little bit of input, but mostly just as a support uh, to our Cantonese and Mandarin uh, worship ministries. And if you're not familiar with um, the ethnic church, uh, when I, kind of lists like language specific ministries oftentimes ethnic churches are broken into um like english speaking services cantonese speaking mandarin or i guess not just cantonese and mandarin but specifically in a chinese church it would be cantonese and mandarin um and so you know my first language is english and so that's the area that i'm comfortable in um, i can communicate a little bit in cantonese but um not at the level where i would need to like uh, to lead worship or things like that. And so it's more of a support role in the two um, Chinese-speaking congregations. But in my congregation, I work with the worship ministry um, and try to pastor those worship teams, pastor the church through worship. Um, but as is often the case in uh, ethnic churches, I think you end up wearing a lot of hats and doing a lot of different things. And so I'm also helping out with our young adult ministry, um, trying to lead there and yeah, that's that's most of what I do. That's awesome. Listening to your podcast, um, but also some of the some of the notes our friend Ellie gave us is just the unique wisdom of working in a multi ethnic church. And I think there's a couple of people that could uh, either be watching live or most of our views are actually people that kind of check in after and are asking those questions. And you know, I think this question could either kind of open the eyes to some people who have no idea or experience around multi-ethnic churches and then um, some other folks um, that are, you know, first, second, third um, generation while serving in churches. Um, you know, what, what has some of your wisdom been in serving um, with those who are working in a multicultural context? Mm -hmm. uh, and I might ask a follow-up question. Yeah. But uh, awesome. So I think I think the first thing is when we talk about um, like multi-ethnicity, multicultural church, that can often be two very different conversations or two di very different things, right? Um, yeah. So I I serve at a what we would call a Chinese heritage church. It means that um, the roots of the church uh, are connected to the Chinese diaspora, um, planted as a church oftentimes to meet uh, or to minister to first generation immigrants. Um, but uh, as churches go, um, they often evolve, change, uh, the demographics change over time. It, it uh, has to keep up with what kind of like immigration patterns there are. And so our church um, is predominantly uh, Chinese, but not entirely. I think the other unique thing about the 
the context that I'm in is that we also have partnership with um, several different uh, alliance churches that are from different ethnic backgrounds. Um, and so there's like a Vietnamese church that meets in our building and an Arabic church and a Cambodian church. Um, and while they are their own, you know, churches, they have their own leadership. Um, we do have partnership together because of the shared space and because we're in the same family. And so that's really exciting. Um, and, and so I think if you strictly look at like San Jose ethnically, it's predominantly Chinese, whether it's first generation or second generation. Uh, but when you start talking about different cultures, just because the majority of the church is Chinese doesn't mean that the cultures are the same. In fact, we have people that come from all over the place, right? There's uh, just there's a there's a difference in culture between the first generation um, Chinese, like my parents' generation, uh, versus second and third generation Chinese Americans who have been born in the United States. Um, you know, grew up culturally here, and so very different from their parents. And then even from first generation immigrants, you have people coming from all over Asia, right? Uh, people come, immigrating from places like Hong Kong and Taiwan and mainland China um, and, you know, or, or parts of Southeast Asia. And they uh, culturally are very different depending on where you come from. And so I think you know, for, for me and, and for most folks that serve in the Chinese Heritage Church, um, regardless of our backgrounds, we are always kind of existing in this cross-cultural space, oftentimes also a cross, you know, like or multi-ethnic space in, in the sense of you have different interaction with different ethnicities. But even if it was mono-ethnic, it could still be very cross-cultural. Um, and yeah. so you, you have to learn to kind of do ministry um, with that in mind or understand that as your context. Yeah. How have you found, like, I, I think about some, some of our friends who are planting in urban centers or, or are experiencing, you know, um, diaspora ministries. What are some things as like, as a leader that have helped you maneuver in that? You, you know what are you know of course the characteristics of christ the fruits of the spirit are probably the end all be all <laughs> you know mm -hmm. like humility never goes out of style where whatever culture or ethnic group you're ministering to but uh, mm -hmm. as a leader what are some some things that have served you well yeah and and i'll say this that you know i'm still in that process of learning and finger, figuring things out um i can say with some confidence that 12 years into, uh, you know, in serving in, in various churches now, um, I, I'm probably farther along in that journey than I was when I started. Um, and so I'm thankful for that, but still very much a learner. I, I would say probably the thing that has been most beneficial uh, is just learning to listen well and learning that, that people from different cultures are going to communicate differently. Um, but especially in um, situations where you have to cross not just cultural barriers, but even language barriers, learning to be a listener um, is just so vitally important. And um, I, I'll have, I, let me share this story. I, I think it's kind of a funny story, but um, just about the, the value of listening well, or, or learning to communicate across cultural, uh, kind of uh, across cultures. 
So uh, during my time in Wheaton, you know, I was a youth pastor. Um, and one of my favorite parts of being a youth pastor was partnering with other churches, uh, especially other Alliance churches. I didn't grow up in the CMA. And so my introduction to the, the Alliance family um, was one of, one of the things I liked the most about the church that, you know, I was interning at and ended up staying. And so really made it um, one of my goals was to connect our youth ministry with other Alliance ministries. Uh, I think the church I served at previously was also a Chinese heritage church. And so we had a lot of connection with Chinese youth groups in um, the Chicagoland area, but not a lot of connection with Alliance youth groups um, or not as much connection. And so that was something that I really tried to um, encourage my students to, and, and just, you know, um, shape and lead our ministry into partnership with other Alliance churches. So one of the things that we did early on in, in our time was to um, organize, you know, things like retreats together or worship nights together with other Alliance youth groups. And, um, you know, these were not Chinese churches. It was kind of all over, all over the map, culturally and ethnically, Korean church, uh, Hmong church, Vietnamese church, um, you know, uh, churches of varying um, cultural backgrounds. And I remember in particular, one time we were planning for a retreat and, um, you know, I think I was not available for the meeting. And so I kind of was like looking through the notes after the meeting of what had been decided. And there was something that came up that, that I just felt like that's strange that we agreed on this because it doesn't feel like this is something that, um, you know, we would have, we would have done had, uh, or I just like, I think from a, from a cultural perspective, I, I just felt like there was some, it was a little questionable or just a different mindset, different, um, priority when it came to that particular retreat. And so I asked, um, my friends who were, you know, serving in the other churches and they said, yeah, we talked about this particular issue. Um, basically it was the issue of whether we, we were going to have church specific small groups or if we were going to have small groups that, you know, um, were, uh, a mixture of students from all the different churches. And, you know, they said, well, we talked about it. And the only person that was like a little like uncomfortable with the idea was this other pastor who happened to be uh, an Asian American. Right. And, but he said that even though he was not comfortable with it, he was fine as long as if this was what the rest of the group, you know, wanted. And I told him right away, I was like, I think that was his way of telling you he really didn't like the idea. And, and let me tell you why. And, and so there were specific reasons. I think it wasn't that either way was better or worse, but we just had different um, things that we valued about this retreat. And so for, for I think from the, from the Asian American pastors, we really valued uh, having our students learn and, and grow with people that were not like them. Because if we wanted to do our own homogenous retreat, we very easily could have done that. But we were part of this partnership for that reason. And, and so in the course of that conversation, what I think my, some of my friends heard, and, and I don't think it's not their fault, I think they were learning, but what they heard was, well, he's not super comfortable with it, but he's willing to go along with it as long as, you know, that's what the group wants. When I think for me, coming from an Asian American background, when I heard him say that, right away I picked up on, he's not comfortable with this, but he's also not comfortable with kind of expressing that viewpoint directly to these other people that we're partnering with, because we don't want them to think that we don't like their idea or we don't like them. Um, I think coming from a shame-based culture, you end up, uh, yeah, you just have to be more aware of some of these subtexts, I guess. 
Um, and again, I don't think one way is better uh, than the other. I just think that it's different. And if you are serving in a cross-cultural context, you have to kind of really be aware of what some of those differences are because they may not be the same as whatever your background is. Yeah. So I'm hearing listening, like really like an awareness and sensitivity, which I think is so key. And it's, and it's across the board, you know, uh, and uh, I think that's something that's captivating about Jesus, right? It's <laughs> like, there's a lot of leaders that can get a lot done. That's not marked by those things. But hopefully Christian leaders are marked by those things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. That's good insight. Thanks for sharing that, man. Um, and this is kind of a, another direction, but envision as we're thinking about mission and something that we're, we're also leaning more and more into is how do we become more evangelistically fruitful mm-hmm. that we don't just provide, you know, a weak experience, but how do we see people come to know the Lord? So, yeah. um, would you unpack, you know, some of the mission, like the impact of mission and evangelism on a church like yours? Hmm. Uh, what are some of the strengths? What are some of the things that you guys wrestle with? And even as someone who's leading worship and, and young adults, some of your vision of how you could uniquely partner with God's mission. Because every church has mm-hmm. a unique way they can engage in, church, in, in God's mission. So, um, yeah, we unpack mission and evangelism in a church context like yours. Yeah. Well, you know, so I, I don't think that this is necessarily unique to the Chinese Heritage Church, but I think that's something that um, Chinese churches do well, uh, at least from my uh, my view or my observation, um, is really the the side of church that is like uh, community building or relationship building. I think a lot of it goes back to um, the fact that culturally uh, there's a huge, huge emphasis on, on family, um, especially in East Asian culture. And, and so oftentimes when you go to church, when you're a part of a church, it's very easy to see church as family, right? Um, growing up, I referred to all of my friends' parents at church as like uncles and uh, aunt, aunties, you know, even though we weren't biologically related. Um, because there was this like familial uh, language in the way and culture that we have. Um, and so I, I think that that serves the Chinese church well, and, and maybe in particular, a lot of immigrant churches well, um, in, in that it's so natural for this, like to have this emphasis on family. And so when people uh, come into the community, um, it can be a very, uh, low barrier to kind of break into relationship. Um, you know, like when, when someone's new, they are oftentimes welcomed in very quickly, treated as a member of the family. And, and that can have a huge impact on, um, on evangelism and on, on uh, disciple making um, because we know that hospitality is a huge part of that, right? That uh, hospitality and welcome can be such a, a vital part in the gospel message being shared uh, as you build relationships, yeah. right? That um, people are, are more willing to listen because they know that they're loved because they know that they're cared for. I, I haven't read the book, but I've, I've heard that 
Um, you know, there's a book, I think it's called like the Celtic way of evangelism. And it talks about this emphasis on um, belonging kind of being the, the, the foundation for belief, right? That belonging happens first and belief kind of follows it rather than the other way around, which is, which is a different model, right? That once someone believes then they can kind of join the club or, or belong. And so I think in particular, um, Chinese heritage churches, just, uh, they, they do that well, right? That people can belong. Um, you know, I'm, I'm beginning to see it more at the church I'm at right now. I think it was a little harder to see in the last year and a half because I was, because we were like doing so many things on zoom or online. So it's not that we weren't doing it. It's just that it was harder for, for someone that was new stepping into this ministry, um, to kind of, I, I would just catch glimpses of it rather than see it regularly. But, um, you know, going back to my time uh, in Wheaton, you know, uh, in the youth ministry, like one of the things that we did regularly was we'd like play sports like volleyball or something or basketball. And um, you would invite like my students would invite their friends to come play and they would come play volleyball for like three, four months, like through the summer and really feel like they belonged in that group of friends that played volleyball. And and so when the time came to like invite them to join the youth group to check out uh, check out the youth group, um, you know, and in that place, maybe hear a bit more about Jesus, have, have these like little puzzle pieces of Jesus presented to them. Um, I think it made it much, much uh, easier for them to say yes to an invitation to come check out the youth group because they already had relationship there. They already had friends fr- from this activity that they were doing together. Um, and I think that that, you know, that's in the youth group, but it translates to all sorts of other ministry that, um, you know, for people as they, they connect with their neighbors, as they build a relationship, um, you know, that's kind of the place where the gospel is uh, working itself out, right? You're living it out in your own life. And so um, they're going to get catch glimpses of Jesus in that. Um, I think another thing and, and that that's a little bit different well, not different, but um, just kind of changing gears for a second, you know, like the Chinese Heritage Church is always going to be able to reach um, Chinese people for the gospel because there's the cultural connection there that that is just built into who we are, you know. Um, there's a cultural familiarity. And yes, sometimes we have to be careful not to let the culture, like our our cultural background override um, who we are in Christ. But I think it also uh, gives us a a very specific lens in which we can communicate the gospel or present the gospel um, that will be familiar for people that share that cultural background. Um, And so I think like, I personally believe we should lean into that. Like that's a strength and not a weakness. Um, And every, every cultural group is going to have, their own lens that they see Jesus in. And it's going to, that lens is going to make more sense to someone that comes from that same background. Um, you know, and, and that's important to keep that, um, because it's a, it's just a, uh, a crucial or or vital way to, to, um, kind of introduce people to Jesus. And then I think from a kingdom perspective, it's also vitally necessary that we have all these different lenses because all these different cultural groups are going to have a picture of Jesus that, that we may not be able to experience or see the same from one group to the next. And we need each other to kind of have a fuller picture of Christ. And, um, 
yeah, so I, I think that there is tremendous uh, strength and value to, um, you know, the ethnic church's ministry and evangelism and mission. But I also think that that's not the only way, and it's not, it, it's never going to be the only method. We, we need each other. It, you know, yeah. um, it's kind of this tension of both, you know, this is an extremely valuable way, but it's also, um, it, it needs to be within the context of the whole. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I think about, you know, those of you are talking, I just keep on thinking about first Corinthians 12, like, you know, different gifts, same Lord, uh, different work, same, uh, same spirit, uh, different expressions, same God, you know, and then it goes into that body illustration. And I, I always joked, um, that like, praise God that I just like, I get to be the pinky toe to reach pinky toes, but I also praise God for the, the big toe. I don't have to, I don't have to be that guy. You know what I mean? So, um, that's good. I appreciate that. And I, I, I think about the ministry of hospitality and being in, you know, to the churches I've worked in are, are larger suburban. It's when I hear the culture of, I think you said like, it's, it's a low, uh, wall to get over because culturally this this aspect of family and hospitality when in some of the churches I've been a part of even the church that I planted uh, it was very much programmatic you know like we didn't get along we didn't get to the family dinner we called family dinner but it was programmed and you had to sign up for it didn't feel very family <laughs> and it only happened once a quarter so if you missed that one sorry you have to make it to the next family day mm -hmm. and uh so i appreciate you you opening that conversation on hospitality that is a book the celtic uh concept of evangelism and then there's another book called the the gospel comes with a house key yep. which is really really yeah i've read it it's a great one yeah so good I guess on the same topic of missions is as you're leading worship and working with young adults, how have you as a leader challenged your people to live on mission? Um, we can say pre or post COVID and then answer that question mm -hmm. in the COVID reality. So yeah. um, how are you exhorting, challenging, equipping to live on mission? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think thankfully, at least in uh, in this area, um, things seem to be progressing. And um, even though COVID has definitely changed our reality and changed the way that we do things, I don't think it's necessarily like made things impossible. Um, we've just had to adapt. And maybe that's a good thing, like it has shaken us out of what is comfortable. Um, but I think one of the things that I just want to remind um you know the the especially the young adults that i work with um i think a lot of times they think of mission as being something that they do you know far away and uh you know um just the idea that like there's professional missionaries and they're like living for jesus but they don't really see they may not see what you know, kind of their day-to-day -day interaction with their coworkers, with their classmates, um, as being on mission. Um, but the the reality is that we don't have to go far away, um, you know, to another country 
to, to live on mission. Like we have the opportunity here. And especially I think because like God is bringing the, the nations to our doorstep and, you know, I mean, like I'm here because God is bringing the nations uh, to, to, um, to this place. And, you know, my parents came as, as immigrants and came for school. And um, I'm just reminded of, of how much we, uh, how much opportunity we have to, to live out our faith um, just in our everyday and to live faithfully in that. Um, and, and kind of what we just talked about, like these principles of like welcome and hospitality, those are things that we can do, you know, very easily in our own lives, right? It, it, I think sometimes we have like these pictures of what hospitality has to, to look like, um, maybe because other people have um, welcomed us in really well um, and they've done it a certain way. And we think, oh, I have to do the same thing. And, and the reality is that God is shaping each one of us differently and has allowed us to, um, you know, use our giftings and our, our stories um, and our resources and everything to, uh, yeah, to build a place for people to encounter Jesus in, right? And, and that's in our lives and in, their, in our connection with people. And so I think that's something that um, just have been trying to encourage, you know, uh, especially the young adults that I'm working with, like, that, that their faith needs to be lived out, not just on a Sunday morning or on a Friday night or whatever night we have small group, um, but really lived out in, a, in, in the places that God sends us and has placed us. And yes, that has been made a little bit more complicated and a little bit maybe more, or just made different because of our COVID realities, um, but it's not impossible. And I think that, you know, there will be a time when, when we'll look back on this and just say, you know, okay, we're, we're past this season. And, um, but don't miss the opportunities that, that God gives us even in this season, you know? Yeah. I think COVID has definitely, as I've been experiencing COVID first as a pastor and then in this new role, it's definitely accelerated and revealed some things, mm -hmm. some hard things like, has like revealed some things that the church wasn't ready to deal with, but also it's accelerated some of that decentralized mm -hmm. scattering of missionaries, of everyday missionaries, not just professional ones that are jumping on planes, mm -hmm. um, which is really exciting. And uh, yeah. yeah, and and I would just add really quickly to that. Um, you know, I think one of the products of this pandemic um, at least in, in our area, but probably in a lot of different areas, um, is that people are, are looking for community, right? They're looking for places to belong because I think there's been a lot of isolation in the last year and a half. Um, even when we had communities and a lot of those communities can migrate, um, online, like it just still feels very isolating. And, and I think because of that, people are looking for something different, looking for something new. And that, that is, man, such a, uh, yeah, that's so, like the harvest is, is, is coming yeah. and it's, it's ready. And we just have to look for those opportunities to invite people into relationship um, with a community of Jesus followers. And then even more to uh, invite them into relationship with Jesus himself. And um, yeah, I, I think I've been seeing that 
um, not just in my church, but hearing stories from, from friends around the country um, that there, there's just been so much opportunity because people are looking, um, I think they're hungry for something, hungry for relationship, hungry for community. And that can be an open door um, to Jesus. Yeah. And I think it is, it is something that we shouldn't mourn, not to be insensitive, but we shouldn't mourn uh, that from this, this season of the pandemic, but see how God could be kind of putting the ball up on a tee for us in some ways of like the proximity. I even think of as soon as COVID happened, I've never seen more people walking outside, you know, <laughs> or like, like, or just being in their front yards because you just were like longing for it, you know. I think um, it really does give an opportunity for um, your proximity with people to become meaningful gospel presence, mm-hmm. and then meaningful gospel presence to then take that hard. Oh, it's a hard turn to go from just being present and kind in someone's life to then proclaiming and introducing, um, but important. Um, I appreciate that. I appreciate that insight. Um, you know, Envision, I shared this a little bit earlier. Envision really, I think, over the years, so many of our programs have kind of been front and center, a short-term trip. Lots of people have gone on it Envision short-term trip. Um, we have many people who have done internships, which are, you know, a month to a year, and then a couple people who have experienced residencies. But really, our vision is to identify and develop missional leaders through short-term ex- experiences, um, our opportunities, and innovative ministry strategies. So when we start talking about leadership development, identifying and developing emerging leaders. You've been in church ministry now for a little over 12 years, right? Um, What's your experience with leadership development? Um, When you have an emerging leader around you, what are the things you're praying for and looking for? And then uh, I would love to hear just kind of your story. You know, both of us are, it sounds, we're in similar seasons. We've been in church ministry for a similar amount and seeing ourselves as emerging leaders, what, what it's kind of been our journey. So first as a pastor and leader who are, who are, who is developing leaders, what are you seeing? What are you looking for? What are you praying for? Things like that. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, um, I, I feel like one of the things I'm looking for uh, or I'm trying to do is to invite people into like, the ministry and, and life that I, that I have. Right. Um, you know, the way Jesus invited the disciples to join him uh, on this journey. Um, I think all of us who are serving in ministries are trying to do that, but maybe in different ways. Um, for me, the way that has resonated the most has been in, in uh, one-on-one conversations um, in kind of this life on life discipleship, inviting someone into my life and seeing kind of the full of the ministry that God calls us to because it's not just like nine to five that we do ministry but it's in the life that we live um and so you know I think over over the years especially when I was a youth pastor um you know pre-covid um it was you know finding ways to invite people into 
um, in, into my life, into uh, what I was doing. And, and then giving them a space to um, really discover their gifting and their strengths, and then a space to, um, to put those into practice. And, and I think that, you know, that, I feel like that's something that I learned well from the mentors that, that, that I had around me because they really fought for, um, for me to kind of have that space to learn and to grow. Um, and, and that's probably one of the best things we can do as, as pastors and leaders is to um, kind of develop spaces for, for young leaders to kind of uh, make mistakes, to, to, to grow and, and, and succeed well, um, you know. And, and I think that that's probably something, you know, I mean, I didn't invent that. I learned that from the people that were, who came before me uh, and who, you know, did that with me, whether it was my own youth pastor or with the, some of the other staff that I've served with over the years, or um, even, you know, folks that were outside of my ministry, but that I built relationship with. Um, and, and I really feel like I'm trying to do that now. Um, you know, obviously it, it looks different in different seasons and it's, and um, probably for different individuals, it looks different too, right? Because sometimes people are more available. And so you maybe have to give them just like shorter uh, periods of time or, or smaller kind of places where they can uh, dive into your life and in your ministry. But then there are others who I think you can invite into longer seasons of walking with you. And um, there's so much value of, of that because it's, it's two way. It's not just like me pouring into another person, but I'm learning from them as I'm you know, trying to walk alongside them and, and mentor them. And, and, you know, um, I'm making mistakes myself and, and, uh, learning from that. And so I think that's something that, uh, I've really have enjoyed about, um, pastoral ministry is, is just finding opportunities to walk alongside people as they learn to follow Christ. So. That's good. Yeah. I love developing spaces for young leaders to fail and to succeed well you know we talk about um there's a pastor in philadelphia who talks about um creating spaces that people will pay the leadership that a church will pay the leadership development tax and the leadership development tax is this con of this concept of the worship leader who forgets their lyrics their first time you know but you celebrate that it was their first time leading worship you know because mm -hmm. i don't know about you but I remember the first time I preached my, you know, one of my early sermons as a pastor and I'm like, Oh, I totally lost where I'm at in my notes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they could have literally said, Zach, you'll never preach again. But instead they paid <laughs> the tax. They, they felt, yeah. they paid that, that awkwardness. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the senior pastor got any angry emails, but who knows, you know, but it's a culture where you're willing to do it and for the sake of the multiplication of leaders so um, and can i you can yeah. oh go ahead can i just add something to that really quickly which is you know it doesn't just require leaders who are willing to give that space but i think it also yeah. necessity you need to have like um like a church a church family that is also uh willing to to build those spaces and, and i'll just use this as an example i you know um earlier this summer uh, we had this wild idea of doing some team preaching and then inviting young people um, to, to kind of give it a shot, right? You know, untrained, didn't go to a seminary or Bible college or anything like that, yeah. um, but just giving them an, an opportunity to uh, communicate what they 
we're learning about God. And so uh, I had the opportunity to, to team preach with two of our young people. It was a, a high school student or a recent high school graduate and then um, a, a college student. And so kind of walked with them through the sermon crafting process and discovering what is the thread that God is uh, kind of, uh, you know, what are we seeing God pull out from this passage for us that we want to communicate with the church and then working on uh, crafting and delivering a sermon. And I really love that, that chance to, to learn with them and to invite them into what we do. Um, and, you know, you know, I'll, I'll just say this here. I, I think I enjoyed that part of it more than when I just have to preach like by myself because yeah. there was mentoring involved in it. And that's really what I, I love doing in ministry. Um, but, and, and they did a great job, um, you know, in, in preparing and delivering. I'm really proud of them. But I'm also really proud of uh, how they were received by our church, you know, because I think it's, it's, it could have been, it could have been that someone said like, well, why are we letting these two untrained young people speak? Um, you know, we want, we want the trained pastor to do it. But, but the, I think the response was like, uh, just such an openness to how God could use these young people. Um, and, uh, I don't think it was an accident that we preached on a passage where it was a story about a young person being used by God to speak to, um, you know, other folks. And um, I just feel like, I feel like our church did really well in, in receiving that and being, uh, you know, allowing God to speak, not, not that they had to allow God to speak, but mm. I'm just being open to yeah, it. Yeah. And, and I think that's as necessary as having a leader that's willing to champion young people. It's having people that are willing to, um, to listen and allow them to lead them, you know? Yeah. It's so key. I remember as a church planner, we had this idea of letting someone preach their first sermon. Uh, we were on a every seventh week we would take off for Sabbath, like the entire church. Crazy idea. So we were, we were working on six week cycles. So every sixth week we would ha allow someone to preach their first sermon ever. And we we're right by a seminary. And, uh, and you know, it's crazy. It, it was always when we had the most guests, it was always like the most packed night and someone steps up and there were some people that preached, you know, home run, you know, and, and really, and then there were some people that really got to discern their call somewhat publicly you know, and I'm sure you've been around by, well, you were in Wheaton. So, you know, by colleges, there's plenty of students, seminary students, undergrad students that are like, I'm going to, I'm just called to preach. I'm going to preach for us. And you give them opportunity to preach and then you get to like, Stuart, maybe, maybe that is very much the case, you know, and it's confirmed in community or maybe, maybe it's not confirmed in community, but they, they find out they do love teaching and preaching, but they do it through writing and, uh, and they're released to do that or to really create a culture of leadership development. So I do appreciate that you brought up. It's not just a leader. It's a mature church that mm -hmm. understands this is the role of the church. Mm -hmm. So, and then as an emerging leader, you know, you're 12 or so, you said you were there for 12 years and then you're a year and a half in. So, a little over 13 years. That's a right around myself as well. I've been in church ministry. This is the first time I've not been working in church. How are you 
continuing to grow as a leader, pursuing Jesus, experiencing intimacy with Jesus. And then after that question, um, I just want to remind the couple folks that are watching, if you have questions for John or um, us about Envision, we can uh, jump into that. But um, John, how, how are you growing as a leader, staying close to Jesus? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I think two things that um, I just feel have been uh, very vital uh, for me, at least in this season, well, in every season, but especially in this season, uh, the first one is resting well. And uh, something that I had to learn, I, I still am learning, but um, I feel like I, I learned a lot from my last stop. And in particular, from one of the uh, the pastors that I uh, I worked with and worked for, um, really encouraged me to, to, to Sabbath well. And um, I think as a younger person, that just looked like just you know not doing anything but i think in particular what do we do with the time that we um we have to rest and how does that really um draw us into deep relationship with jesus um and i, I think in this season here especially i guess something i've noticed um about uh this particular part of california uh we're in silicon valley and uh, i'm enjoying my time here but it's very different from from the Midwest, and um, I think partly because of the culture of tech, um, there is a high high emphasis on production. And um, if you don't produce, you know, probably get replaced. At least that's what I've heard. Um, and while I don't think anyone necessarily feels that way in in church ministry, I do think there's there is a culture where you're fighting like, oh, I have to constantly doing things. I have con constantly have to be producing, and and it's just a. a have been reminded in this season that um, rest is also producing something. It's producing something in me that that can only come when I, um, yeah, when I am resting well because it's a reflection of um, uh, of Jesus. It's a reminder of of the covenant that He's made with us. God Himself um, rested in what He made and rested in the work that He's that He's uh, He's doing, and, and we can rest in that in that confidence. And, um, so just learning to rest well in this season, I think has been, um, really important for me. And then I think the other thing that God continually reminds me of, uh, he always has, but, um, especially in this season of being in a new place, moving, uh, you know, I, I've lived in Chicago for pretty much my entire life, Chicago land area for pretty much my whole life. And, um, is to just, um, to trust him and to step out in faith, right? Like, but the Alliance, we're, we're all about taking faith-filled risks and mm -hmm. just learning, you know, sometimes we emphasize the risk part, but I think the faith-filled part is the part that, that I've needed to learn to, um, yeah, to, to trust the Lord because it's just so easy for me to trust myself, trust the decisions that I make, trust my abilities and my giftedness, um, you know, and trust experience um but really what we need is to trust jesus and um but i'm not if i'm not leaning into into him and if i can say like oh i can do this and i don't need to trust jesus then why am i even doing that you know um and so that's that's been a lesson i've been learning that's been um 
something that really I feel like the Lord has been stretching me in this season. Um, I feel like most people know this, but if I had my way, um, I would still be in, in the Midwest. I would still be in the Chicago area because that's where my roots are. That's where, that's what's comfortable. But the Lord has said, you know, to me, you know, in this season, I have something new for you and you have to trust me with that. And so, you know, that's why I'm where I'm at right now. And I'm going to, I'm going to keep trusting that, that he has me here for something. And, um, you know, and yeah, you just, you stay until the cloud moves. Right. Um, Amen. just trust in, in that. So. I so appreciate after, after we pray and close, I'm like, I need to get to San Jose and drink coffee with you or something. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> We're sure. in such a similar season. Like even honestly, just to affirm the Lord's just even confirm things in this Facebook live of, I was in that same passage of like when the cloud moves, if it was 30 minutes or three months, you know, you go. And one thing I appreciate John that I think is, is at the heart of the CMA is that deeper life movement conversation but also as we're continually shaping and, and emphasizing things and envision of being a leadership development uh organization within the alliance is both of those things you just shared are being and not doing you know like it's resting and trusting mm -hmm. and like you didn't say Oh, here's my five podcasts. I listen to, which I listen to podcasts and I can get down on podcasts. I don't know if you guys know, but John posts a podcast. If yes. you're watching, check. It out. Uh, but yeah, I can get down on John Mark Comer podcast or, you know what I mean? But, or you didn't say I read, I read a book a week, you know, or which those aren't bad things but you're talking about the abiding life that deeper life that john 15 resting he's not against you know i love this concept of rest he's not against effort he's just against earning you know because we don't have to you know and when we rest it's preaching to ourselves that there is a covenant you talked about mm -hmm. but then also that trusting i think also the world today would put leadership development as like we got to focus on competency you know, we got to create programs that reproduce competent, knowledgeable leaders. But that trusting, you know, scripture, it says, you know, he'll let the foolish shame the wise and the weak shame the strong. It's those places where I'm, where I'm flexing into my competency and not leaning in this surrender and honestly, like a hiddenness um, with Jesus that like, I'm in bad shape. Like I might not be in bad shape in that moment, but I, I'm on my way. And uh, so I so appreciate your highlight of being is what's leading you um, to deeper places in your leadership. Um, it's good, brother. Mm. I appreciate that time. Um, I don't see any questions in the comments. Um, if anyone does, we do, we are getting like random hearts <laughs> and thumbs up, uh, and no angry faces. So that's a big win. Uh, but, uh, I guess if, if no one has a question, I, my last question for you is for the people that are walk or, you know, tuning in right now. And then, um, the people that will tune in later, 
Mm-hmm. What would be a, what would be a challenge you have for them? You know, we talked about multi-ethnic, cross-cultural. We just touched on those. Yeah. We talked about living missionally where you're at, not waiting until you have to get on your pro or a jumping plane. Then we talked about developing leaders and um, super, super um, appreciated your 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 redirect or even like that clarifying of like, hey, not just leaders, but churches that create spaces that develop leaders. Um, what would be a challenge that you give or an advice? Siru, even Siru Castro's new Envision staff um, member, and he, one of his comments is advice you'd give to an emerging leader. So mm-hmm. maybe that's the challenge. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, so I, I think probably, um, man, there's, I feel like there's so many things I could say. And, um, but things that we haven't already covered, I would just say um, maybe especially because I come from, you know, uh, from a minority experience, um, just something that I would encourage all of your young leaders as they're exploring what God is doing, what God is calling them to, is to find people uh, who are not like you that you can learn from. And, um, you know, to, to be a lifelong learner in that and to not assume that that um you know that we have all the answers already because i think god is going to teach us something through people that are not like us and i think that's especially important if you come from a majority culture and i don't necessarily mean like ethnically a majority culture though that's a big part of it i also think that culture you can exist in spaces where your culture is the dominant culture and you need to learn from people that are not from that uh, from that space and if you don't have voices like that in your life, um, you know, look for those. And they're there. I think the Lord will provide um, people that can speak into your life. You just have to just have to be open to it. Yeah, that's so good. I so appreciate that. And, um, you know, to finish our time, um, I would definitely love to pray over you and your ministry. Um if if they want to follow you, uh, can you can you share any way they can connect with you, or um, even share a little bit about your podcast? Yeah, um, uh, maybe I'll just really quick. Um, I guess if you're looking to learn from someone uh, or from people that come from the the Chinese heritage perspective, um, definitely would love for you to check out our podcast. Um, you know, it's called the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. And really, what, when my friend and I started it, uh, our, de- our desire was to, um, yeah, to just highlight voices from, um, from our background, because I think there was just not a lot of resources that come from uh, an Asian American background, especially in the podcast world, um, and even less so from uh, a Chinese American perspective. And so, um, you know, that can be one way that you can learn and also connect, um, I guess you can find me on uh, Facebook or Instagram. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. On your, on your uh, TikTok. Yeah, that I don't have. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like ancient when I say that. And I'm like, literally, I'm like, TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> 
That's awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks for spending some time with us. I hope we cross paths. That's the one thing that's exciting about the Alliance right now is I, I feel like the Lord is raising up a lot of young, passionate leaders who who want to be lean into one another. And across the globe, it's been fun just to see uh, diverse emerging leaders stepping into roles of leadership. So um, I'm sure we will run into each other. So yeah. so grateful for the leadership at, in San Jose, but also in our denomination. And uh, I would love to pray over your ministry and then uh, we'll tune, a, tune out for tonight. So um, let's pray real quick. And even, I know it sounds silly, but if you're watching Facebook Live, please engage in prayer. You can even extend your hand um, and, or reach out to John through Facebook or Instagram, ways you praying for him and cheering him on in his new role. I know that, uh, that would mean a lot. So, um, well, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for John and the anointing that he has and the favor he has and the calling on his life. Jesus, I pray that you would strengthen him, that you would encourage him and fill him to overflowing. Jesus, I pray for his worship ministry. I pray that he would have favor with his church and that he would be continually meeting with you in intimacy and then just waving over his shoulder uh, to places he's already been in worship. So would you bless his personal worship, his, his private worship, so then would pour out in the public worship and the services of that church. Jesus, I pray for unity among all the communities that are represented in that church, not only their church, but the, the communities that use their building. I pray that you would unify them and use John as a voice to uh, to take that listening, hum, um, humble seat um, on how to lift and serve. Jesus, I also pray over his young adult ministry. I pray that that would bear fruit in discipleship and that they would see uh, young men and women fall in love with you and their affections continue to be uh, molded into um, a deep affection for you, Jesus. I pray over his leadership in this uh, denomination. I pray that you would use him in a mighty way. I pray that you would open doors and elevate and, and, and uh, promote his voice and his humility and wisdom. Jesus, there's a heart for diversity and multi-ethnic communities and cross-cultural ministry. Jesus, would you use him in a mighty way? Continue to protect him and walk with him. Would he experience your friendship and intimacy in new ways? And thank you for the time he gave to Envision tonight. And those who are watching, I pray that you multiply his hours tonight as he rests and, and uh, does whatever is ahead of him. Bless his ministry. Bless his friendships, his family, and uh, the work of his hands. Jesus, we're really grateful for what we get to do. We know without you, um, we, we would do nothing uh, of this sort. So we would be more grateful than gifted today. And we say this in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I hope it's what, uh, like seven year time? Uh, yeah, I think so. Awesome. So still some time for dinner. It's about bedtime. <laughs> yep. Yep. Thanks for having me on here, man. Uh, I just had a great time. It was good connecting with you and getting to know you. Uh, definitely going to be looking for ways to hang out. Yeah, I will definitely hit you up. I'll follow up. And um, I so 
I needed your posture tonight. Like you, just the humility. It's as silly as it flows through a Facebook live. So I so appreciate your posture and um, looking forward to doing ministry together. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.